comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe Welcome, everyone, to the Long Box of Doom, episode 254, our What the Dudes Want for Christmas episode, our sixth annual What the Dudes Want for Christmas episode. And join with me tonight are Mr. Jordan from Jersey and Mr. Jim Dietz, along with his co-host, Jack. Merry Christmas, everybody. Bah humbug. Jack, you want to say something to the nice folks? No? He's just kind of staring at the red light on the microphone. He's, he must be, uh, he's a camera shy, or mic shy, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a good belt shot of him later. That would be awesome. Oh, we'll get something, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I had mac and cheese for dinner. She'll at least get one out of me. Yeah, you don't count. You're <laughs> over six months old. <laughs> I don't know, um, though. So Johnny M uh, is down and out with some sort of stomach distress slash the flu. So uh, unfortunately, he won't be joining us tonight. But we do have back, as always, Mr. Sean Pryor. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thanks for having me back on uh, this uh, tradition of what the uh, dudes want for Christmas. It wouldn't be Christmas without you. Yeah, a little late this year, but uh, we'll we'll squeeze it in before Christmas. Just a lot going on between all of us and then your schedule. Um, mm-hmm. So how's how's everything in your world between the black box and Action Lab and your you know normal nine to five life? Um, busier than ever. Actually, this is probably the most the most hectic year I've ever I've I've had. In a very, very long time. Um, I had to take a few podcasting breaks because uh, my Action Lab workload and 9 to 5 workload um, just became massive. And But I'm back recording episodes again. And uh, we're, you know, we've been putting episodes of the Black Box back on the feed uh, at a pretty good rate since, uh, I want to say, September, October. So, so, you know, so that's back on a regular basis. Uh, the Black Box, uh, Donnie's uh, Tales from the Attic. Um, so that's good. Uh, Action Lab, it's been a fantastic year, um, especially on the digital side of things, on the print side of things. Uh, Skyward took off like a like a rocket, and uh, Molly and the debut of Molly Danger happened this year, and that's gotten critical acclaim and and has been a a bestseller in some spots. And Vamplets has done very well, um, you know, and and like we had the birth of uh, the Danger Zone line. So it's just so many things uh, that we've been trying to to do at Action Lab, and and we've been doing pretty well at Comicsology too. So it's just been nonstop, and and like the nine to five when you fix computers for a living at a university, there's always drama, and there's always just stuff that makes you want to shake your head and flip a table. But um, that's just life. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's one of the best things outside of being friends with you. One of the best things about following you on Facebook or seeing the great. Uh 
crazy stuff they drop on you to try to fix. Right? That, that, <laughs> that, that power cord looked like it had been chewed up by a werewolf or something. That you put Yo, yeah, yeah. That's and, and that's not the worst of it. Uh, you know, I don't because I, I don't I don't tweet or Facebook post all the stuff, but um, there are some things that would really make you cry. We've all been there. Any of us that's worked in tech for any any amount of time, we we have we have seen it all and done it all. Um, so I empathize and uh, commiserate with you, my friend. No, well, thank you. But it's great to be back, and I'm glad we were able to do this again. Awesome. Let me let me ask you a quick question because I'm I'm always curious. Without getting obviously into specifics, but just in speaking in generalities, if you can, mm-hmm. um, and if you can't, we'll we'll clip this out. So no no pressure as always. Um, are you are are you surprised? at the takeoff of digital? I mean, is, is it, is it a fairly, I hate to say significant, but I, I guess a lot of people were, I think, skeptical of digital for a long time. A lot of people think that, Oh, it's, it's, it's insignificant as it, as it compares to print. And I've, I've always contended, you know, cause I've talked to the guys at like red five comics where digital is a huge, huge uh, deal for them. I, I'm just curious, like what your like I said, what what your thoughts on on the digital side of things, especially for for Action Lab is? Um, I think it's important. I, you know, it's one of those things where we're like, you know, when you deal with like because we deal with both print and digital. I think I think digital for us has been a very big deal, and it's done a lot for us because we're in a situation where you know we yes we want to make sure we support the brick and mortar stores, but we have a lot of people that like to read that may not be near a comic book store. And we also have folks that like to, like to read comics, but they might not understand how print comics work. They they'll under they don't understand how comic book stores actually work and function, but they see a digital store and they're and they're good, and they can take their books on the go via you know tablet, phone, whatever. It's it's a nice thing to have. I mean, also for us, it's been a way for us to test market books too. Um, we've had digital exclusives. Um, on, on like, say, for instance, once again, Comixology is a perfect example. We've had digital exclusives that have started there a month before they actually hit print. And it's just a good way for us to test the market to see what people may like or or may not like and also uh, help us strategize for the future in the print market. And, you know, there are some brick and mortar stores that are completely against Comixology, but there are some brick and mortar stores that absolutely love Comixology because they'll sit there and I've talked to many shops and they'll say digital hasn't affected their sales. If anything, and some and with some of the some of these stores, their sales have increased because they had the digital version or read like an issue or two and they decided to go get a trade paperback or, you know, or they found a comic book shop and got a whole and got a um and got like you know a subscription box and things like that so they both benefit each other but we've we've seen a lot of positives come from it but i think the one thing about it is is that you know even though like i'm the type of person i'm all for open competition um you know right now the number one game player is comicsology and i think the fact that there is one hub um where you can get a ton of publishers including including Marvel and DC who which are the you know the, the you know the I guess 800 pound gorillas or whatnot um, all under one house it makes it it's convenient shopping it's the it's the Amazon of digital comics if you will uh, you can get everything you want so yeah so yeah I, I think it's I think it's a good thing and I think it's great for comics because it's allowing people to take a chance on things that they probably would never take a chance on before. 
especially if your books are 99 cents, your single issues are 99 cents like ours on Comixology. So, so yeah. Yeah, when Jim told us about that deal, I went out and picked up a few right then and there, and it was something that, you know, maybe if I was in the shop and already buying 20 or 30 or $30 worth of books that week, maybe I wouldn't have added something new, but for 99 cents right there while I was podcasting, sure, I picked up four or five titles, and they were great. Oh, well, thank you. We appreciate that. You know, it's it helps keep it helps keep the lights on. And and you know, and it also brings about the um it brings about the question of like, you know, when we have people like buy our books and we all we have people buy our books and we're still trying, you know, our job is to convince the people is to convince the people to check out what we have, you know, buy a couple of books, like spend like four or five bucks, get four or five different titles and see what you like. And hopefully you'll buy some more because the really big question is, is when I talk with people and whether it be folks that have been reading comics for decades or even new readers, um, is it when they say they want cheap digital comics is do you want 99 cent digital comics or do you just want 99 cent Wolverine and Batman comics? You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Because like yeah. when people oh, yeah. when people when people say they want 99 cent comics, I'm like, well, there are a lot of people doing that. Like which you know, Action Lab is Monkey Brain, um, Monkey Brain's doing that, and there are a few other pubs too. But you know, I that's so yeah, it's 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 uh, that that's always weighing in like the back of my head all the time. Something else too with the digital comics, with the the guided view um, aspect of it, you can add a whole other layer of storytelling to the digital comics that you can't do with print. And I think that's yes. really exciting. It just adds like a whole other layer. Uh, that the writer and the artist can use, you know, to tell a story. Like, it's not quite animation or emotion comic, but it's also not just, you know, static image to static image. So I think that's really interesting, too. Yeah, and that's and that's really worked out for us with, like, with Molly Danger, uh, like, on Comixology. Molly Danger, Vamplets, um, the uh, Danger Zones, uh, Itty Bitty Bunnies, Adventures in Rainbow, Pixieland, and uh, let's see, I think we have another... We've got a couple other guided view books coming out soon as well. Oh, hell yeah, and Bo, Bo Plushy, Bo Plushy Gangster. Like, those have been set for guided view on Comixology and have done great. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really cool because you can give readers just all these different genres and all these different ways to actually read a comic, and I think that's great. Cool. So, do you want, do, should we get started? Yes. All right. We'll start off with um, recommendations, and Mr. Pryor, since you are our guest, I will let you go first on what recommendations you have for the listeners. Okay, all right. My first recommendation is uh, something from the old school, but it's been repackaged and repurposed for a new generation. You know, I know there are a lot of families out there that can't afford a PS4 or Xbox One. You know, they may not even have enough money to go get like a PS3. Or a PS, even a PS2, even. But, no, no, you probably afford a PS2. Those are pretty cheap. Anyway, um, if you go to Amazon uh, right now, if you there's a company called At Games, AT Space Games. They have created what is known as the Sega Genesis Classic Game Console. It has 80 original Sega games. Uh, let's see, four, you have 40, you have 40 16-bit uh, Sega games featuring Sonic the Hedgehog, Echo the Dolphin, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and 40 bonus games. And it comes with two wireless controllers, an AC adapter, and AV cable. Plus, it also has a slot for 
Sega Genesis cartridges. So if you have some Sega Genesis cartridges, but your Genesis exploded years ago, guess what? Now you can play those old games again. You know, you got that copy of uh, Vector Man or or that copy of Judge Dredd on Sega Genesis that you just can't let go, even though you know it wasn't that good. You can play it now. And I just think that this is a great thing. I you know, it, it you know, for, for those families or for, just like for families that can't afford gaming systems, but, you know, they want they want a gaming system or for those that like to want to reminisce on the consoles of yesteryear without trying to learn about emulators and ROMs and whatnot. This is the way to go. Yeah, I um, I have uh, I can talk, speak from experience because I collect old school video game systems, and my Genesis has I mean I've had to go through like two or three of them because they've broken down, you know, they just won't read cartridges or anything anymore. So I mean, what you're talking about is really cool. There's also a thing called the Retron. Uh, if you look it up on Amazon, that is it has slots for I think Super Nintendo, um, Nintendo, and uh, and Sega Genesis. And I think Game Boy Advance, uh, all on the same console, and it's like about 40 bucks. If you already have the games on cartridge. But if you don't, you want to play some cool retro games, that sounds pretty, like an awesome deal. Wow. Wow. And that, uh, and that Retron, actually, currently, as of this recording, is on sale for $50.99. That, that sounds really cool. I bought one of those. I hope my son's not listening, but uh, <laughs> my son, every time we go... We've, he's actually tagged along with me at the Comic Palooza in Houston, and every time we go, he, he gravitates right towards that stuff um, and taking a look at the Retron 3. So for Christmas this year, we picked him up uh, from Amazon. We got the Retron 3, and then I found somebody that was selling a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3, which is his favorite of all time. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty wow. cool little unit. Yeah, I'm looking at this Retron 3 right now. This is actually this is very nice. This is really nice. Yeah. I might have to save up my pennies and get one myself. Yeah, I've been yeah, looking to get cool. one for a while. Because, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll buy old decks or whatever, like old Super Nintendo decks or um, or what have you. But they, they tend to break down. Oddly enough, the one that the the one that uh, the one old console that lasts the longest had the least trouble with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to pull out in uh, Retron Five, and I don't think it's quite come out yet. But it does like Game Boy. I think it's Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Maybe Game Boy SP. It, it has the Game Boy stuff on it as well. So, yeah, that yeah, that one hasn't come out yet. It's supposed to soon, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing it. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous about it though. I mean, because I'm I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, ooh. I mean, because I, I wouldn't mind having that either, but but um, hmm, I don't know. But at least at least the Retron Three has has um, a, a good rating right now. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the Retron 4? Um, it died on the vine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ultron. It evolved to a higher form on its own. That's right. Yes. So who's next? I don't have a ton for recommendations, but what I do have um, is one of the few things I've spent any money on this year. Because as I was saying to the guys before we started, I've been mostly broke this year. But... Um, I, I did spend money on Bioshock Infinite, and we talked about that extensively on this show. Um, we talked about, about it on Jersey Shore, my other podcast, and it was just a game I loved. You can probably pick it up pretty cheap now, probably around $30. Bucks. Um, the game is great. The DLC so far has been great, but there's been one story thing and one more arena-based stuff, and there's one more story mission to come or story DLC to come. Uh, just 
you know, I don't play a lot of video games, so when I do, I try to you know, only pick up the ones that really interest me, and the Bioshock franchise has been fantastic, even two, which people slag on, um, but Bioshock Infinite was just a ton of fun, uh, I enjoyed it more than any video game in recent memory, I love the story, the gameplay was a lot of fun, um, I've already said a ton of stuff about it on this and other shows, but the other one I would recommend video game-wise is actually a mobile game. And that would be Infinity Blade 3 for iOS. Um, I've played all three Infinity Blade games. I enjoy them quite a bit. Um, one and two go on sale from time to time. And even at their most expensive, I think they're only like six bucks. But really fun games, especially for just, you know, wasting, you know, 20 minutes on the train or, or here and there in between meetings and stuff. A lot of fun swordplay uh, type game. It's fantasy, but with a lot of sci-fi in there as well, which I enjoy because I'm not really much for the sword and sorcery type stuff. But when you throw in spaceships and lightsabers, I get interested. And uh, it's just a really, really fun game. And they just added a uh, uh, content upgrade, uh, an update in the App Store a couple days ago. It was their biggest update so far, and I have just been playing that nonstop. Lots of fun new stuff. I definitely second your recommendation on Bioshock Infinite. If you haven't played it, you really should. It's definitely um, up there for game of the year for me. It's just a really singular experience. It's like nothing else uh, I've ever played except for other Bioshock games, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> In a weird, big way. Um, I, I guess uh, I have a, a few recommendations. Are, are we doing like, are we going back around? Because I have a, a few here. Um, this year they, they finally got around to releasing a lot of John Carpenter's movies on nice Blu-ray collector editions. Uh, I'm a big John Carpenter fan. I don't know if you guys are, but um, Escape from New York and The Thing are like, and Halloween are like three of my favorite movies. So, um, sure. they, re- they released a 35th anniversary edition of Halloween that was really sweet. Uh, a cleaned up version of Assault on Pacific 13, The Fog, um, In the Mouth of Madness, Prince of Darkness. Um, the only things we really haven't gotten are a nice clean version of The Thing or, um, Escape from New York. But if these, you know, do well enough, I'm, I'm hoping that happens you know, in the coming year. Um, as far as, uh, uh, video games are concerned. I've been playing the heck out of XCOM Enemy Within, which you can get for, you can get for $40. It's, um, it's an expansion of, uh, um, XCOM Enemy Unknown, which came out last year, but it's such a huge expansion. It's like an expansion the way they used to do it in old school PC games, where it pretty much changes the whole game. It's almost like, like Rude a, War or something. Right. Like civil, like civilization expansion packs or something like that, where it's, you might as well be buying a whole new game, but it's only, uh, that's the original game plus all the expansion stuff for only 40 bucks on uh, 360 or uh, PS3. It's also on PC a lot cheaper. This isn't like a Twitch shooter game. This is more of a thinking turn-based strategy game, but I love it. I'm just so addicted to it. It's like, it's like chess with sniper rifles. It's great. <laughs> um, plus, um, they, they have this thing called Iron Man mode where, um, you know, if your people die, they die and you can't go back and reset, you know, reload the last save or whatever. You have to play on through. Um, so you get attached to your squad members as you level them up and stuff. And um, the, the new XCOM Enemy Within expansion adds a lot more to the game, a lot more mechanics. It adds mechs. It adds, like, bionic abilities for your soldiers. Um, a lot of new enemy types. All the maps have been changed. And, and a lot of new maps added. I mean, it adds a lot more to the game. So it's almost like a whole new game. So... A lesser company would have called it a whole new game and, you know, charged 60 bucks, but for Axis being the cool people they are, uh, just released as an expansion. So I definitely checked that out. And then something I got for myself this year that I'm really glad I did was, uh, this Quadrant Supreme Omnibus, 
um, the original Squadron Supreme, Mark Grunwald, um, Paul Smith on some of the art there. Um, the, uh, it, it, it was like Watchmen before Watchmen. They were analogs of the, the Justice League, uh, put out by, um, Marvel. Back in the day, they were like foes of the Avengers, but in this miniseries, they basically do what the Justice Lords did in the Justice League, uh, uh, cartoon or, you know, kind of what Dr. Manhattan does in Watchmen is decide to use his superpowers to kind of make the world better and take it over. You know, we kind of seen this theme in Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us, the comic as well. But, uh, this was the first time it was done. This is from 1985 to 1986. And, uh, it, like I said, it even predates Watchmen. Um, but it, it's really cool. It has the entire, uh, Squadron Supreme miniseries plus all the ancillary stuff that happened after the graphic novel that's super hard to find that kind of wrapped up the universe's story. Um, it's really, really cool stuff. I, I love the Marvel Omnibus, Omnibus editions when I can afford them. How, how so, much is that yeah. one going for? Well, I lucked out and got it at uh, Pittsburgh Con for thirty bucks, but uh, the cover price is seventy five. Wow! So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having that. Yeah, Austin Books has their what they call their Sidekick store, which is a bunch of uh, it's just a big discount half off store, and they've got four or five copies of that Omnibus on the shelf. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very tempted um, one of these days to pick it up because it'd be like thirty seven fifty or whatever. So, yeah, I definitely recommend it. The story, I mean, if you're used to the kind of verbosity of '80s comics, it shouldn't bother you. And I mean, Russ, you've read, you've read enough Chris Claremont; it probably won't even phase you at all. Oh but, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> so it's a little wordy with the exposition, but I mean, it's in that '80s way that you know it really doesn't bother me when I read it. Um, and, and if you're a DC fanboy, as you go through, you can figure out the analogs for the different characters and the, the way that, uh, that they mess with them. Uh, it's just great, great, great story. So. I'd forgotten how good it was until I picked up the omnibus. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those stories that it, it doesn't, it doesn't age incredibly well, but it doesn't age really poorly. Like there's some stuff that you pick up from that era where you're, you just kind of roll your eyes, and it's hard to get through. And this is definitely not uh, not in that vein. Plus, it's playing with a lot of cool postmodern ideas before they became like tropes. You know, sure. Uh, doing a lot of things comics really hadn't done at that point. So. Cool. Well, I've got a few things recommendation wise. Uh, one of them is something that I've talked about. I know on the show, I've done a YouTube unboxing video on it which if you go to YouTube and search uh, HHWLOD uh, network or podcast network, you'll find the video. Uh, I need to post the link back up on the on the website for it. Um, <clears throat> it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 box set, the, the thing in the suitcase. For any kind of collector, it's just awesome. I mean, the thing, you open it up and it lights up. It's got a button on the top of the suitcase that lights up the shield logo. It comes with all kinds of uh, little trinkets from each and every movie. Uh, it comes with 3D and uh, Blu-ray versions of, well, Thor, Cap, and the Avengers were all put out in 3D Blu-ray, so it comes with the 3D and the non-3D versions. It also has Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and The Incredible Hulk, um, and it's it's just a fantastic um, piece. I mean, it's got a, a cosmic cube that actually lights up in strobes uh, that sits in the middle of it. Um, it's it's just really one of those things, it, and it's not crazy expensive. I mean, it's, it's definitely not... Um, super cheap but i think on amazon you can get it for like 140 bucks um which like i said given all of the content that you actually get is is not a bad price but what i really 
one of the things that that I've started uh, collecting throughout the year, and I was really excited about this when they announced it. I think it was a little bit before San Diego Comic Con. Is the Star Wars Black series? And uh, yes, yes. They've yeah they've they've done three and a half inch versions and six inch versions, and I've decided to move away from the three and a half inch figures because a they've gotten really expensive for three and a half inch figures, um, and there's just a ton of them. But they've done these six inch like premium format figures, and they're a little pricey. They're about twenty bucks. Uh, usually, I haven't seen them at Walmart, but you can get them at Target all day long. And of course, you can get them on Amazon, and I'm sure your local you know comic shop has them. But for twenty dollars six inch figures, they are very highly detailed. Uh, a lot of them come with multiple accessories. So, like, and there's only four in a wave. So the first wave had a uh, Sand Trooper. Darth Maul, I think it was the X-Wing pilot, Luke Skywalker, and, oh, R2-D2. And um, the Darth Maul's cool because it comes with, like, two heads, uh, one with a hood, one without the hood. R2 has all the accessories, so that's really cool. Um, the Sand Trooper has all the cool uh, assortments. But they're really, they're, there's a lot of detail in the painting and the shading and the, and the weathering on them. Uh, the next wave, I think, has, like, Slave Leia... Han Solo, Greedo, and I forget, I think maybe Anakin Skywalker, uh, episode uh, two, or episode three, Anakin Skywalker. But they're just really well done. I mean, the, you could just tell by looking at the packaging. The boxes are very, they're very clean. It's, it's in, it comes in a black box. They're numbered. There's only four in a wave, which is nice. You know, so they're a little pricey, but it's not going to totally kill you to collect them all. And I think they're they're only putting out maybe two to three waves per year. So, so not completely unattainable, but but just I'm really impressed with the quality. Um, I know I know Brad Milo's picked up a few of them, um, and like I said, I've got all of the four first wave ones, and I'm I'm hopefully going to start here pretty quick on getting the the second wave ones. Now, will this black is, is this black series just specifically f- uh, figures only? Will they be doing vehicles uh, later on, or is this just strictly figures? I don't know. I think it's just figures. Uh, the one cool thing, and I. One of these days, I'm going to clock Aaron uh, Newerth over the head and take it from him. Is uh, he got at the San Diego Comic Con exclusive? It's a six inch Boba Fett with Han Solo and Carbonite. It came like as a <laughs> as a special set. I think actually that's that's the fourth one in the second wave is Boba Fett. But um, yeah, they're just they're just really nice. But as far as vehicles go, I'm I don't know. I I haven't seen any um, anything on vehicles at all. I've strictly just seen the three and a half inch and the six inch uh, figures. Oh, they would be huge if they're in the six-inch uh, scale. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Oh my god. Yeah. But um, they're still doing the other lines. I mean, the, the Black Series is kind of meant for like the higher-end collector, and they're still doing you know like the regular, I guess, vintage collection or whatever uh, lines that that they have out there. So, so that's that. But any Star Wars geek would would love any of these. I mean, you know, you don't even have to collect them all. And you know, if, if you know somebody that's a big fan of. You're either Han Solo or, you know, or Darth Maul or whatever. You could just, you know, pop them the one. And like I said, it would be it would make a really cool piece on your desk um, or, you know, on a shelf or something like that, because they're just really, really well done. From the uh, Hanna-Barbera Classic Collection, and this is uh, from the Warner Brothers uh, video on demand store um, where you can get the videos like from like old school cartoons and certain movies and they just print them on DVD on demand. Um, hey, I've been I wanted waiting to thank you. I want to thank you for turning me on to that. I was able to get Freakazoid that way. 
Nice, nice. I have the first season of Freakazoid. I still have to get get the, uh, I think, season two. But this uh, box set, I have been waiting for forever. Um, before before they released this, the only way you could get it was on like fifth or sixth generation bootleg at a at a, at a comic show, at a comic con somewhere, a comic convention. The series is called Space Stars, and this was the relaunch of uh, Space Ghost, the Herculoids, and it also reintrodu- it also introduced two new series, uh, Astro and the Space Mutts and Teen Force. And basically because science sci-fi became a really big thing again in the late 70s, early 80s, thanks to Star Wars, see, even, even little Jack knows. Um, and, uh, uh, but, uh, but, you know, thanks to the comeback of Star, thanks to the um, debut of Star Wars, the comeback of Star Trek, um, you know, science fiction, fantasy, all that stuff was real big. So Hanna-Barbera said, let's take our classic 60s cartoons, let's update them, and let's introduce some new characters, and we'll make a series called Space Stars. They aired on NBC um, for a short period of time, and I loved watching it. It was just a great anthology series, and every now and then you'd have an episode where Space Ghost, the Herculoids, everybody would just team up to fight a bad guy. And I just, I thought it was great. And it just disappeared, and then you just never heard from it again, or never saw it again. And I didn't want to buy a bootleg because I knew the quality wouldn't be great. And lo and behold, they finally put it out as part of their classic collection on the on the Warner Brothers uh, um, web shop. So it it's cheaper if you go to the Warner Brothers site and you get it there as opposed to Amazon. Because basically what Amazon is doing, you make the purchase there and they just then go contact Warner Brothers and then Warner Brothers takes care of it. So... Uh, take a look at that, uh, Space Stars. I th- like I said, I think it's great. It's just old school cartoons, and it's a lot of fun. A couple other things real quick. I got to admit, um, I have an addiction to Funko Pop vinyl figures. I think, um, like, I'm glad I don't have a lot of money. If so, I think my, my office would be filled with them. Uh, I think, you know, I think they're awesome. I think they're even better than the um, short-lived uh, Mighty Mugs by Hasbro. And for those that don't know what Funko Pop vinyl figures are, they're like these, they look like uh, these action figures, well, in-action figures, because like the arms and legs don't move, but they're about, I want to say about four, they're about three, three, three to four inches high, and like their heads are huge, and they're kind of like caricatures of, um, you know, famous like, you know, comic book characters, movies, you know, music stars and whatnot, and I have a Batman and a Clubber Lang and a Reverend Run from Run, from Run DMC. And but there's some like they have games of Thrones, they have Game of Thrones, they have uh, let's see, I think Hunger Games, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're about to come out with a fire with a Firefly and Buffy series. So they they have all types: Domo, uh, Superman, DC Comics, Marvel Comics characters, you name it. They've got them, and they range in price. Um, and they also have like a '60s Batman with the with the Batmobile. So it's really cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. Now, there's a lot of different companies doing their own vinyl figures, um, Sean. What is it about the Funko Pop ones that really speak to you uh, as opposed to many of the other various types that are out there? I just like the look. Uh, honestly, it, it's it's the, the it's, it's the the big head with like these big eyes and the eyebrow and like basically the big head and big eyes make all the expressions something like a lot of the characters don't have mouths like say for instance batman he has no mouth and neither does neither does clubber lang but the goatee surrounds the area with no mouth it's just it's the way they look because they're pretty detailed 
I guess um, the the technical term for that would be like a chibi. Yeah, kind of like a right? chibi. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're, yeah, kind of like kind of like a chibi. Um, now I've seen some chibis where like you know drawn where the they do have mouths, but but it's it's just they're just great. Uh, they're cute and they're and they're fun and and like I said, they're easy to collect. And um, just the thing is, is that once you once you get a couple, you can't stop. And how much do they generally run for? Ten, fifteen um, bucks. About yeah, between ten, 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 fifteen dollars. Uh, now, unless it's one that's rare, and if it's rare, the, the, you know you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. Perfect example. If you won't run DMC, like Jam Master J is gonna cost you anywhere between on eBay somewhere between thirty to hundred bucks. Yikes. Yeah, it gets that out of control. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that it's just because sometimes they don't package a lot of a lot of certain characters. So, but the ones, the, all the ones I've had, I've paid no more than ten bucks for. Nice. I've got the uh, the Nick Fury, the Avengers movie Nick Fury, and uh, the Captain, the Avengers movie Captain America. Just because having Samuel L. Jackson as a bobblehead is just just too much awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh yeah, like I said, they're great. They're great, and like, and now it's it varies on whether they're bobbleheads or not. Now, norm now they're just normally just a solid head that uh, you can turn from left to right. But um, the very first one I ever got was Batman, and Batman has like the the bobblehead. So, so it's 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 neat. They're just they're just neat little things. Going back to the Warner's uh, video on demand thing, I really love that. Especially they have there's so much content that only appeals to like the smallest of niche. Uh, you know, uh, market. So it just makes total sense for them to do that. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's money to be made there. And say, for instance, if you wanted the the old school uh, Doc Samson movie that Warner Brothers did, yeah, they've got it. And you know, you just say, "I want that." Click, and they'll print it on DVD and send it to you. So they don't lose any money on that. It, it's 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 a smart concept. My other uh, recommendation is actually something I don't have, but my sister has one, and I plan on getting one very soon. Um, it is the I Live or I Live I L I V E, um, and this is a sexy name ISB three three S wireless Bluetooth speaker. Um, but she picked this thing up. I, I looked it up on Amazon. You can get them from anywhere from like ten to thirty dollars. But the one that I'm specifically talking about, it's about the size and shape of a baseball, and she got hers for fifteen bucks. The sound on this thing is great. It, it it runs over Bluetooth, but I think there's also a uh, eighth inch jack audio in. You can also do as well. Um, great sound, really good bass for something so small. Uh, when I was dri- riding around with my dad the other day because we were going to look at some stuff, um, he doesn't have any way for me to hook up his I- my iPod or my iPhone in his car. So I borrowed my sister's speaker and just put it on the dash. And it was practically like having the sound system in the car on. And I, like I said, I don't have one right now, but uh, I plan on buying one very soon for at work because it's really nice. Rechargeable battery, um, just charges up over USB, and really, really good sound for something that costs so little and is so small. Nice. Something I'd really like to recommend, and it's kind of turned into our ultimate bathroom book here, is the complete annotated Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, all, nice. all the words. It's a giant book. And not only does it have all the scripts from all the uh, episodes of Flying Circus, it also has a ton of photos from every sketch that it's, uh, you know, it has the script from. Plus it has um, the annotations, which show you like what they're referencing, what they're making reference to. Like, cause some of the references are like pretty obscure and British and 
you know, growing up in America, you might not get them or what have you. So, you know, like Sir Philip, who Sir Philip Sidney was, or, um, you know, where the characters with the, the, um, you know, the handkerchiefs on their heads and the glasses and Mr. Gumby character, where that came from. And it's just really cool, like behind the scenes, extra added stuff. It's almost like a director's cut of the script. Um, nice. It's really fun. You just open it up to any page and just immediately get, you know, sucked into it. At least I do. Um, it's kind of a massive tome. Uh, but it, a friend of ours got it for a gift for us and found it on Amazon on sale, I think, for about 40 But it is definitely worth it, especially if you're a Python fan like I am. Uh, Steam's having their annual holiday sale. And uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff on there uh, to get. I mean, there, I, I picked up Far Cry 3 and Far Cry Blood Dragon, I think, for like $15 combined. Those are both excellent games. Yeah, I've started playing Far Cry 3, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I picked up... Uh, what else? Oh, uh, on your recommendation, Jim, The Witcher 2, they had for like, I think it was $9. Nice. So lot there, there's just tons and tons of stuff uh, on on the Steam Winter Sale. So if you know somebody that uh, uh, that that is a gaming geek and, and plays on the computer, nothing else, you could buy it, you get an activation code, and you can just mail them the activation code. Um, the other thing, speaking of, uh, of, gift, of gift cards, you know, people like to, especially... You know, if you don't want to have to mail anything or ship anything, Comixology now, you could actually just email somebody, you know, credit towards their Comixology account. So it's like a little um, electronic gift card to Comixology, which is really awesome, um, especially now, because there are tons, especially if you if you catch this uh, recording before the first of, of the year, there's tons of stuff on sale now. Uh, Marvel, DC, like Sean was saying, the Action Lab stuff um, is all at, at greatly priced. But there's a lot of really good stuff um, for a really decent price uh, that you could pick up, and most of the, you know most of that stuff out there. If you if you don't mind waiting 30 days, usually the price drops uh, a buck or so. Um, so I I I am becoming more and more a fan of digital comics and comicsology. Um, I just love the experience. I love the app, um, and I'm getting more and more used to it as I uh, have less and less space to put stuff. So um, the, another great recommendation. Yeah, to, uh, on the, uh, to add to the thing about the Steam sale, I know, uh, good old games, G, uh, GOG.com has been giving away free games and it's had a bunch of really cool specials too. Um, they gave, I know I got Fallout 2 and Fallout Tactics, uh, for free, uh, from them. I also got Torchlight, which is kind of a Diablo clone, uh, for free from GOG.com. So I would check that out too for, for good, especially, you know, if you're the person you're buying for is you know, slightly old, old school, old, more old school computer gamer. Cool. So is that are we are we recommended out? I recommend we move on to the next topic. <laughs> so this is always a fun one. This is stuff that we want that we can't afford. So this is always like pie in the sky, utterly ridiculous. Like if there's something where we won. You know the Mega Millions tomorrow we would pick up. Uh, so once again, Mr. Pryor, we will we will let you start it off. Um, yeah, I tell you what, if I had the money um, and I don't, I would go to Amazon right now and purchase uh, the Transformers uh, Metroplex re-release. Oh man, I, it's a, it's like over a hundred bucks and it is huge. Um, the only reason why I know this is because. My uh, friend Chris Campbell has one, and when I went to Baltimore Comic-Con this year, I stayed with him, and he had it out, and he had it in, on display, and 
it it was like two, it felt like it was like two two and a half feet tall, and and it was just huge and like it was articulate, and you know the, all the, all the fingers you know it can you can move you could uh, position like individual fingers. The head was was huge. You push a button, it would either talk or his eyes would, eyes would light up. It came with a couple little transformers with it, and it was just the most incredible transformer I have ever seen, and it blows away the original uh, Metroplex completely. From the one from the 80s, 80s Hasbro. It just completely blows it away. But it's 100 plus bucks. Um, I've seen it as low as 129. I've seen it as high, as high as 179. And this brother does not have that kind of money. So uh, so it's it's on my, yeah, I, I, it's on my wish list. But uh, it's out of my price range. Well, I have so- the sinking feeling that the day someone gets one of those delivered from Amazon by a robot drone, that is the day the robot uprising happens. <laughs> yes. Speaking of giant robot toys that we can't afford, on my list <laughs> is the 18-inch Gypsy Danger action figure from Pacific Rim. Oh, uh, from yeah. NECA. Um, I totally missed out and was unable to get a Gypsy Danger action figure at all. And this one is the, the quarter scale, um, uh, 18 inch light up, you know, everything lights up, little things open up. I mean, it's by NECA. They usually do really good, um, articulation and really good sculpts. And, uh, it's currently going on Amazon. I'm looking at it for 153.99, which hmm. is not really in my toy budget at all, but that is probably yeah. my, my most wanted toy right now. And definitely something if I had the cash, I would, I would break it out and go. Oh yeah. Those Pacific Rim. Um, uh, you know, figures, well, I can't even call them figures. They're just, you know, well, they are, but they, they are, that was a great line. I, I just wish it had more exposure and cause it was more like a specialty market item. And I, and I just wish, um, there was more availability for, you know, for those because I, I thought they were great looking. Yeah. There's some cool robots. Uh, my first want it, but can nowhere near afford it, is uh, Breaking Bad, the complete series Blu-ray oh. set. Um, for one thing, I don't have a Blu-ray player, so that would be a, an additional uh, f- uh, fee to put on there. But as I look on Amazon right now, there are six available new for $548 and, and up. And uh, one collectible one, I don't know exactly what that means, maybe it's still sealed, but for $1,995. This is, of course, the complete Breaking Bad series in the black money barrel. Um, all the all the seasons, a ton of extra bonus features. There's like 50-something hours of bonus features. Uh, the Los Patos Hermanos uh, apron, uh, the challenge coin, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Um, I would love to have it. It's uh, the best show I've ever seen, in, in my opinion. Um, I absolutely loved it, and uh, just for the collectible f- factor beyond anything else, and the fact that it's just a gorgeous set, uh, I would love to have this, but I could never afford this. Yeah, yeah, th- those those special box sets are, are, are one in a million, and yeah, and shoot, that's that's rent, uh, your food budget, a clothes budget. That's that's your everything budget right there. So yeah. <laughs> I know I know exactly how you feel. Uh, Shout Factory has a. A Power Rangers box set that has 20 years of Power Rangers from Mighty Morphin all the way up to Megaforce. It comes in a um, the original Red Ranger helmet, and in the back of the helmet, it has spots for all the discs. And um, they only made 2,000 of these sets. Last time I checked, they were doing pre-orders. It was 700 bucks, 
But there were so many episodes. You think about it, it's like, oh, it's not really that bad. But still, it's 700 bucks. But if yeah. you want to look at the flip side, think of all the money you'll save on birth control for the rest of your life. <laughs> hey, man, I love me some Power Rangers, dog. <laughs> that, yeah, that's my stuff. That's my stuff. I can't let it go. So, so yeah. yeah, It's, it's nice, but I, I, can't, I can't give up that kind of cash. I uh, don't have an extra 250 bucks sitting around, but if I did, one of the things I think I might consider buying would, it would be the original Dungeons & Dragons RPG white box reprint limited edition wood box. And what this is, is a, even when I was, uh, when I first played D&D, it was um, uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and this was even a collector's item back then because it was so limited and hard to find, it was... Um, the original rules for the very first edition of the original Dungeons and Dragons, they were uh, in uh, these white booklets that were originally like mass mimeographed back in the day. Um, this set has all of those booklets that are super hard to find from back in the day in this beautifully hand-carved wooden box with hand-carved wooden D&D dice, um, reference sheets, and uh, it's just really nice presentation. And it, it was, it would be something I would, it makes for some good shelf porn, if nothing else, if I had it around here. So it might actually kick me in the butt to get me started to play some more D&D with my friends. Or Jack. Or Jack. <laughs> Choking hazard. Careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might want to wait on that one a little while. But yeah, it's a, it's probably, they're only two left in stock on Amazon and they're only 250 bucks a piece. So. <laughs> But it was like an extremely limited edition that they made, and uh, I don't know, I think they're like numbered or something, but uh, they're, they're super sweet. A D20 does really high crits to an infant, unfortunately. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. There's no saving throw there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Heimlich, but aside from that. Yeah. And, and something else I don't have that I would, I would uh, if I had the money, uh, would buy. I saw on eBay about a, a month ago, someone is selling... The sit-down version of the 1980 Star Wars arcade game from Atari, oh, the, with, the old, with the old vector graphics and the yes. red five standing by, and all Laser the sound clips sound. and everything. Oh. And it's the version that you sit in. It was in really sweet shape. I guess it was part of a an estate sale, and uh, the starting bid was like 2,500 bucks. Plus, it was in California, so I don't know how I'd get it home. But oh yeah, that that shipping would have been. Whew. If I had. If I had to, if I was able to pick one arcade machine to have at home, that would be it. I that, that can't was my agree favorite. with you more. That was my favorite game back in the day. I, I probably bought one of those machines just in the amount of quarters I piled into it. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder, and I wonder if his machine uh, had had the switch that you could flip it and you could play the vector version of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I remember that what, when they had the upgrade board yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that uh, just classic. Yeah, oh, I used to play that all the time. I don't know how many quarters, I, how many quarters I spent and tokens I spent between that and Spy Hunter, nonstop. Oh yeah, I remember uh, the GameCube uh, Rebel Strike game. Uh, one of the like secret unlockables was the Star yes. Wars arcade game and the Empire Strikes Back arcade game that you could open up in the in uh, in the game. So. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a uh, Rogue Leader Three. Yeah, it was the first one for the right. GameCube. It had a. Uh... If you pre-ordered it or something like that, they they gave it to you. But I remember, remember the Sega was it the it was I don't think it was the three D or the CD. I think it was the thirty two X. Yeah. Came with they did it, it. It wasn't vector based, but they basically took the vector game and and skinned it with, with real sprites. you know yeah. textures and whatnot. 
Yeah. Yeah, that like hands down, if I could get have any old arcade game in my home, that would be it. But I don't have twenty five hundred bucks laying around. If I did, I'd probably put in a college fund. So, there you go. <laughs> for Jack, there you go. Good man, yeah. good here, man. Here, son, here's your college education as an arcade cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> so my recommendation, I th- I think this shows up on on either mine or somebody's we can't afford list every year, but it. They're just so awesome. I can't help but keep, uh, but but keep the the trend going. It's the Marvel Hot Toys, uh, like the Hall of Armor stuff. Ooh, I don't know if you guys seen like from Iron Man three. So they've I think they've put out now three or four of the of the armors um, from Iron Man three. I know the most recent one was the. Uh, the one they call the Hulkbuster armor, you know, the, with the the blue one, the big hulky, you know, Igor. One. Yeah, yeah, and it's like two hundred and fifty bucks, which is is really insane. Yeah, um, and they've come awesome out with. Choices. Yeah, they're they're incredible. I mean, they've come out. I think they've even come out with a set that's that's Tony Stark, uh, like from the poster, you know, where he's standing on the pedestal and has the six, you know, suits in front of him. They've they've come out. I think the Mark Forty Two is is has been put out. I know they've done Iron Patriot. Um they're just they're just so awesome. I mean, just all that hot toy stuff is incredible. I mean, they've done a they've done a Colson. Um they they're just I mean, they're just hyper detailed, you know, the clothing, the accessories, you know, the the weathering, the wearing. They're just they're just so awesome and I mean, just to have like a cabinet or a shelf in your in your house that had all those things on display would just be like the ultimate for me in and geekeriness and uh i just could not imagine you know buying and and it's i can't imagine like just buying one right i mean you know it's like you get the bug like how are you gonna buy you know the avengers you know version of captain america but not buy the avengers version of you know iron man or thor or uh you know black widow or hawkeye you know i mean or now you're talking 1500 to two thousand dollars yeah just for what you just rattled off there yeah I know, I know. The only person it's, I know that has in, a whole bunch of these, and I don't, I don't know him really well, but I know him somewhat, uh, is uh, Pat Loika. The guy does the uh, Loika Media podcast, and uh, yes, he works for Comixology now. He has a ton of those hot toys. It's crazy. I know our, our old buddy Dan Ashland had... The Red he, Skull. I, I, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. He's, he had, I think, one or two of them that he, uh, he picked up. But they're just, like I said, they're just, they're just so awesome, but just way too they're not only expensive but then they're limited you know so if you don't like jump on them forget it you know it's it's a two hundred dollar toy that's going to turn into like a five hundred dollar toy if you don't if you don't jump on it right away oh yeah yeah those ebay aftermarkets will kill you Mm -hmm. and you'll be living in an underpass in a cardboard box with your five hundred dollar toys (laughs) yeah check out the detail on this armor i'll trade you for that can of tuna (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that's my that's my big uh, thing I can't afford. Biggest thing I can't afford right now is probably an Xbox One or a PS4. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got one more. Who else has uh, additional ones? Oh no, I, I've I've said I've said my piece. Uh, I've got one more actually, and this one isn't so exorbitantly priced. But again, I'm broke. Um, right now on on Amazon, you can get it for about uh, seventy bucks, but the Fantastic Four Omnibus from Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1, 
um, and Volume 2, which isn't out yet, but both of them, I would just love to have some of my favorite comic stories ever, and this is coming from a guy who, previous to reading Hickman's Fantastic Four, could not have cared less about the Fantastic Four, thought they were dopey and dumb and practically DC characters, but I fell in love with this run, it's beautiful, it's well-written, um, the, the last issue of his run, FF number 23, which is not in Omnibus 1, but is in Omnibus number 2, is the only thing I've ever read, um, comic, prose, whatever, that made me cry. Uh, it's just a beautiful book. Uh, we're going to be covering it soon on LOD, uh, and we, we keep talking about it, but we are going to do it eventually. And just one of the best runs of any comic I've ever read, and I would love to have the Omnibus version. Now, do you know, does the Omnibus have the FF stuff in it, too, or just the Fantastic Four? Yeah, they're, they're doing, from what I understand, the, the Volumes 1 and 2 cover all of that. I think uh, Omnibus Volume 1, let's see here if it has the details of the issues. Um, yeah, Omnibus Volume 1 has Dark Reign, Fantastic Four 1 through 5, Dark Reign the Cabal, Fantastic Four 570 through 588, and FF 1 through 5, okay. and uh, Volume 2 will have the rest of it. I presume in the correct order, like publishing order, right. which is good, because uh, it's it's a little bit, str- I, I'd assume it'd be a little bit strange to read just FF or just Fantastic Four, they're so closely interwoven. Right. Yeah. And they are good. Yeah, I've got the whole run of uh, Hickman's Fantastic Four on hardcover, but um, I, I think I'm a trader too shy of the FF runs. And the FF run has got some some of the best stuff, I think. Oh, I yeah. mean, Fantastic. Don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking the Fantastic Four stuff, but some of my favorite issues from his run ended up being FF issues, like that last issue, number twenty three, or the the Doom epi- issue, which is twenty one or twenty two. Um, there's just a lot of fun stuff. Cool. So anybody else have any overpriced items? Uh, new. All right. So now is time for uh, the annual naughty and nice list. So, Mr. Pryor, why, why don't you regale us of a tale of naughtiness? <laughs> oh, boy. I've been waiting on this one. Um, You know what? Listen, I... I know for those that listen to my podcast, The Black Box, you probably won't be surprised when I when I say who's on the naughty list. Um, I've got a few, but I'll start with DC Comics. And the reason mine. The reason why is, yeah, I, you know what? You are allowed as a publisher to change things. Um, which is fine. That's the perp. That's you know one of the things of publishing, especially in comics. Characters can't stay the same all the time. However, the new Fifty Two has been a practice in in mishaps, in my personal opinion. Uh, ever since its launch, um, you know, it's it seems like the new Fifty Two has basically become a thing where they're constantly just want short term gains without building a long term audience. Because all that's really happening is is that the people that have always bought DC Comics continue to buy the DC Comics. And there's no new there's not a lot of new reader growth from that. So how much longer until all this short term growth becomes no growth? And you know, and you know, not to mention the issues with the editorial, not to mention, you know, DC is moving there is moving and going to LA and now people in New York have to decide whether they want to move to LA or not. And that's like, you know, it's a whole life changing thing because they think in LA that's you know, corporate synergy will bring together better comics. And I'm like, nah, I doubt it. 
Um, you know, but then again, DC is now legitimately with the new 52, just a straight up IP farm. Yeah. There are a couple of good comics out there from DC, a couple, by a couple, I mean a few and see, even Jack agrees with me. And, um, and so, (laughs) but you know, there's a really big problem, um, with the way that they've, with the way they've done these books over the last few years. So they continue to be on, on my naughty list, like lenticular covers, Lenticular covers. Yo, comic books aren't supposed to melt, okay? 1994 called. They want their gimmick back. Yeah, man. You know, it's like with all the things we can do with books in both the print and digital form, why would you try to do something like that? And the thing is, yeah, it was was successful, but it was was successful because, yeah, it was a gimmick. But, you know, they said they're going to print X amount of copies, which then makes them, which then gives you a... um, which is like kind of quote unquote makes it rare. People go run for it. They leave it in the car. It melts. And then there was the issue of uh, people that that um, have subscriptions via like mail order from DC Comics for I guess like one of the Batman books. I think it was Detective Comics, where one of the books supposedly out of the blue was going to be an eight dollar book, and DC sent those people that subscribe to, to Detective Comics a letter saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, that issue is not part of your subscription. If you want it, go get it somewhere else." And screw you. <laughs> so you know. What so, about even? I mean, they shorted the. Not only did they short the allotments on those lenticular covers, which yeah. they knew would be hotter than hotcakes. You know what I mean? Right. But right. they they didn't even short them um, evenly. You know what I mean? Right. Like some stores got twenty percent of what they ordered. Some stores got eighty mm-hmm. percent of what they ordered. You know? And oh, what yeah. are you going to tell your customer? You know, I ordered this thing three months ago in previews. Why do I not have it? You know. I mean, exactly. I mean, I was talking to Wayne Weiss about this when it was going on, and he just kind of shook his head. You know, it, it it's it's bad business. It, it really is. It's it's bad business. I'm not even talking about the quality of the books. I'm just saying, just from that standpoint alone, that is extremely bad business. And the thing is, is that it's the same thing every time. It's they'll come out with a gimmick. That gimmick will will do well for like the the line of that event. For the for the run of that event, and then once that happened, that event's over. Their numbers dwindle back down, and Marvel's back on top. But um, but right now it's just really it's not about the quality; it's just about the numbers. It's just about the sales. And if you know, and if if they continue on this trend, it's just going to end up just being well. It already is technically just an IP farm now. So, but like I said, I, you know, just that's just how I feel. And they're on my naughty they're on my naughty list. I still got Mattel on my naughty list from like 2008 um, <laughs> for uh, uh, for for not releasing another uh, art of the ma- art of uh, Masters of the Universe book. Uh, but I'm still upset to this day that there is not a re-release on the art of Masters of the Universe. Uh, I'm still salty about it. I if I want to buy it on eBay, it's 200 bucks, and I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. I like He-Man, but not that damn much. Um, and, hey, but uh, real quick, yeah. funny story on the lenticular cover thing. Yeah. So I'm at Wizard World Austin last month, and you know how they, before to, I guess to kick off that lenticular stuff, that I guess Forever Evil number one in short supply got a lenticular cover of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess it wasn't something you could pre-order like the other stuff. It was retailer incentive or something like that. There's a dude that walked up to a booth and paid 85 bucks for that comic like while I was standing there watching and I it took everything in me not to ask that dude if he was out of his mind for paying (laughs) $85 for this 
this copy of Forever Evil number one because it had the lenticular. I'm like, dude, five years from now, you'll be able to get that thing for 10 bucks if, you know, in, in everywhere. Uh, it just it just completely baffled me that somebody would spend that much money on on a comic uh, that new with the gimmick thing. I thought I woke up and was in the 90s. There <laughs> <laughs> was neon uh, everywhere. Oh, my favorite story you know, is from uh, Heroes Con. Uh, I walked by and the guy had the new 52 Omnibus. You know, the one that had all the number ones from the relaunch of the, the new 52. And I, yes. was, uh, I, I was, you know, out of curiosity, I'm like, well, how much do you want for that? And he goes, I'll let it go for 75. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I walked on. Um, as the con went by, I walked by, he offered it to me for 60. And then the second time I walked by, he offered it to me for 50. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I still didn't buy it. It's just like, oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, and all, like you alluded to all the editorial stuff. I mean, some of the stories that are coming out of like, you know, Paul Jenkins and Paul Pope and, and, uh, you know, and these other creators is just kind of, you know, frightening. Why would you want to work in a place like that? And, um, you know, and, and if they want an IP farm, they need people that are going to tend to the IPs and you can't have that if you keep, you know, alienating all of your creatives. You know? Yeah. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess, yes, but. But like I said, you know, the dollar signs are more important than the creativity. So, so that's so that's what you're going to get now. If you can make an environment where both sides are important, the creativity and the and the dollar sign part of it, you can make for wonderful comics. But business is business, and right now, no matter how bad the books are, um, DC will continue to go this way. So they they stay on my naughty list. Jordan. So for mine, I want to uh, first make the caveat that I'm not talking about any of you guys. I, w- I want to make that very clear um, because why we are even right now in a negative part of the show where we talk about things in a negative light, um, I don't want you guys to think I'm talking about you because I'm most certainly not. But my thing on the naughty list this year, and I think it has been in the past too, and, and for good reason, it really bothers me, is just negativity in general slash negative people. A- and by that, I mean people who are just... Negative, I'd, I'd say more than 50% of the time, who, mm-hmm. if they're talking, there's a good chance they're complaining about something, or talking about how something has been ruined, or they don't like it anymore, or they never liked it, or whatever it is. And I'm not just talking about nerd stuff, but politics, or food, or absolutely anything. And, um, you know, there's been many online communities that I've just flat out left because I couldn't take it anymore. Every new thing, whether it be movie talk, or comic talk, or music talk, or anything... Any bit of information that was new, it was terrible. It was the worst thing ever. It was ruining that band or that movie or that whatever. How could this company think that was a good idea, et cetera, so forth? And and sometimes, you know, I, I'd agree. Sometimes decisions are bad. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not a DC guy, but I'd, I'd agree with you, Sean, about the stuff you've been talking about with DC. Mm-hmm. But um, for me this year, it was it was really to the point where there was an actual like not just online group I left, but a friend group that I cut myself off from because I couldn't take the negativity anymore. It was just constant. Every, I mean, there was other stuff too. Uh, a lot of racism, homophobia, misogyny, etc. that I just went, you know what? It's just not worth it for me to be around these people anymore. So for me, um, this year, and as I said, probably previous years as well, just negativity in general. Negativity is fine, but uh, it shouldn't be the majority of your life. There's, there's lots of things to be happy about. Talk about them instead, except in the segment where we're specifically supposed to talk about the negative things. So carry on. <laughs> except for right now. 
And, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I think in general, um, one of the things I've really always enjoyed about HHW LOD, even before I joined, was that it's not, uh, you know, a part of my friends, but it's not a constant bitch fest. Um, it's, you know, we talk primarily about things we like. And there are there are times when we have to talk about things that, oh, that man, that thing just didn't work for me. That movie, that book, that publisher, whatever. But in general, I really enjoy and always have that we focus on the things we like because it's always more fun to talk about something you like than something you don't. And you have to spend less money on aspirin that way. So Yeah, being a geek is all about being enthusiastic about things. You know, and <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, think about no, it. No, I, I understand. You know, you're literally an enthusiast. And unfortunately, some people are enthusiastic about shitting all over things. Um, it just really is terrible. I mean, personally, I, I mean, like, in, this is a good example, and nothing's on. We're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and how the fanboy community just, like, up in arms over it. Oh, it's not this, it's not that. Um, to which I say, you know what? I remember Nicholas Hammond as Spider-Man and Bill Bixby as the Hulk. <laughs> and I am grateful to have a shield show of any magnitude <laughs> on TV that, you know, looks the way that it does and is written the way it is. You know, I mean, to, to, I mean, the way that, you know, the, the geek culture has become the, the main pop culture, it just seems like there are a lot of geeks out there that seem entitled and that entitlement seems, seems to have a lot of vitriol. You know. Right. Um, I mean, and then to be clear, I'm not just talking about geek stuff. I mean, it's just right. negativity in general. It's just, it's you're bumming me out, man. I mean, you know what I mean? There's a place for criticism and there's a place for trolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a line there, definitely. Yeah. So, Jim, you're up. Well, Sean kind of stole my thunder on the DC Comics naughty list. The double shipping, the lenticular covers, the hiring the editorial guys from the 90s who are trying to bring it right back to the old Extreme Studios image days. Uh, you're not selling me on your comics, guys. The only DC comic product I'm buying right now are all three, uh, they're all out of continuity. Astro City, Batman 66, and Injustice Gods Among Us. Um, so, until, you know, there's some major, you know, sea change or paradigm shift, I, I don't see me buying any of the DC, you know, New 52 for the foreseeable future. Because there are too many other great comics out there by indie publishers and other publishers that I'm really can't waste my time buying something out of obligation, you know, or out of feeling the need to keep the run going or out of nostalgia for what the characters used to be. You know, I can't, I can't really waste my money on that. So, uh, DC, you get that. The makers of the movie Man of Steel. Um, I was not one of the big haters when the movies, when the movie came out. I, you know, I liked parts of it and was, you know, tried to be positive about it. You know, the fact that we got it. At least we got a decent, you know, or a new big budget Superman movie. But now that I've watched it a couple more times, there are just parts of it that are just really not setting well with me and kind of stuck in my craw. Um, especially, you know, going forward into the Batman Superman movie that Snyder's going to be doing. So, um, I, I would definitely put the, the, you know, makers of Man of Steel on my naughty list. Um, also, the, the recent wave we've been hearing about, like, straight-out sexism in comics for certain creators. I'm not going to call out names, because that's not my place. It's what Bleeding Cool is for. But uh, uh, it just kind of astonishes me that in this day and age, you know, where some of our most prominent creators are females. I mean, you know, Kelly DeConnick uh, and, and, and Gail Simone and Nicola Scott and Fiona Staples. I mean, they go on and on and on. You know, to, to think there's still this kind of you know, old boys school mentality going on, you know, in the industry just kind of boggles my mind. You know, if anything, 
you think a geek culture would be accepting of, of others rather than exclusionary. So um, that's kind of on my naughty list. So I think that's enough naughty. <laughs> well said, Jim. I've got, yeah. I, I've got one on my naughty list, and this is primarily directed at Paramount Home Video, but th- there's others that are guilty of it. But I think Paramount is, is the worst. Uh, and that's putting out multiple retail versions of Blu-rays and, and DVDs. Uh, I, I think the most the most famous example was Star Trek Into Darkness, where um, you know Best Buy got one version that had a disc with exclusive content, Target got another with a different set of exclusive content, and the packaging was a little different. And then Amazon didn't really get any kind of special added features. Um, and and this one blew up to the point where. Uh, one of the sites I've been going, I mean, I was a I was an early Blu-ray adopter back in the day, and one of the sites I've been going to since since the late '90s was the digital and still is the DigitalBits.com, and uh, the the main guy there, Bill Hunt, who's been running that site since day one, had a really big write-up in there specifically about this Star Trek Into Darkness piece pointed at Paramount. And it got a lot of traction. I mean, I know, like, Bleeding Cool picked it up, CBR picked it up, but, like, major news outlets picked this up and, and ran with it. Like, I, I can't remember exactly if it was, like, New York Times or, you know, or, or, or um, you know, one of those, but, but it, it was not just, you know, geek community uh, news sites that picked it up. It was actual mainstream news sites that picked it up and got a lot of traction. I'm hoping that some of the studios see that. And, I'm not even talking about, like, you know, occasionally Best Buy will have a special version that comes with, like, a supplemental DVD that has a few extras. That's that's not that big of a deal. But, you know, when you go so far as to, as to you know, I'm, I'm a special features junkie. I mean, I love all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And there's a lot of people that are, especially the early adopters and the, guy, and the people that are really, really into, um, you know, uh, staying on top of Blu-ray news, early adopters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they really love that stuff, and when you when you have it spread out over over all these retailers, it just makes it really irritating. And then two, it, it, it makes you wait for the eventual double dip. Like at some point, they're going to straighten that out and and normalize that, uh, and then it's and and then it's just going to be really aggravating. You know that that you'll have to get it twice. And I, I just really wish that the you know the makers of this content would would keep that you know their customer in mind, especially. As we move towards 4K, as digital becomes more and more prevalent, um, you know, people people like me, people you know that that go to some of these sites, people that really seek seek out this content, are are really going to start shying away from it and and kind of, um, you know, the, the the thing they fear about you know physical media going away and and the digital taking over is just going to be more prevalent the more they pull these gimmicks where people will just be like, ah, eh, I'm not going to get it now because they'll put out another version that has all that stuff later. Uh, mm-hmm. And then maybe later they'll pick it up. Maybe they won't. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, the people that are shelling out the money for the Blu-ray when it comes out opening week are the movie geeks. You know, I mean, they're the sure. people who are, yeah. are so into the movie. Not only do they want to own it, but they want the commentary. They want the special features. They want the featurettes on how the effects were done. You know, or whatever. I mean, those are the people who gen- who generally collect Blu-rays. I mean, for yeah. them to like, you know, to stick it to their base like that is just out of hand, man. And but don't be surprised. Seriously, do not be surprised on the digital side of things. You're going to start having digital exclusives 
I'm, I'm telling you, like you'll have, say, for instance, if you buy X movie, iTunes may have like bonus content that, say, for instance, Amazon doesn't have because they'll have different oh, yeah. bonus content. It's 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 ridiculous. It, it's 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 just stupid. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny when I get a, a new Blu-ray or a DVD or Blu-ray nowadays. Typically, before I watch the movie, I'll watch all the special feature stuff. Like the if there's a big you know, documentary on there, like a, a running, you know, running commentary or featurettes or whatever. I almost 80% of the time watch that first before I even watch the movie. Um, and so it just, it just makes me nuts when they spread that stuff out. So that's, that's my big naughty list for this year. So let's take a trip down positivity. <laughs> Yay! Let's talk about, yeah. let's, let's take a, take a page out of Jordan's book and let's, let's talk about those that are nice this year. Yes, yes, let's do so. Uh, let's do so. I uh I got a few. Um I'll start off with uh, Paul Pope and um his uh, book Battling Boy. Um it's a great book. It's a great comic. Um just you know, nice nice and meaty. It's got a lot of content, uh, beautiful artwork, beautiful story. It's great for young adults, it's great for adults, so I can give this to a kid and he can enjoy it. I can give this to an adult and they'll enjoy it. Um, because there's not, you know, there are plenty of books out there that you could probably hand to a, to a young adult or a kid or an adult at the same time, but still it takes work. You know what I mean? It, it takes work to like really sit and, and shuffle through all these books, but it's nice to be able to have a book that you can just hand to a kid and say, listen, you're going to enjoy this. And I'm glad Paul Pope made the effort to make this kind of book. Cause he talked about how in the past he's done books for DC and a couple and a couple other companies where he felt he couldn't give those books to kids because of the because of the content in those books. And then, you know, we all know the story about a while, how after the popularity of Batman 100 year 100, he wanted to do a uh, like a command uh, com, uh, commandy relaunch, you know, you know, for like an all ages book. And uh, basically the D.C. brass, uh, you know, uh, basically just uh Kind of, and, and, and I don't want to say gave him the finger, but yeah, they kind of gave him the finger on it. And, well, uh, the and exact so, quote was that they don't, they don't create comics for children; they create comics for forty-five-year-olds. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's 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 the verb to me. That's the verbal f- version of giving somebody the finger. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and and so in turn, he creates Battling Boy, and it's just it's great. It's great. I if you get a chance, you know, go to Amazon, go hop on hop on the web. Paul Pope's Battle Boy, a Battling Boy. Uh, is a is a great is a great thing, and he is on the nice list this year. Um, now, something or, or or a network that is on the nice list this year. Something I never thought I would say. Fox. Um, I give I give Fox props this year because they have not canceled one sci-fi series yet. Um, they're letting all their shows breathe, even the ones, even the comedy shows that are kind of struggling. They might take them off for a while, but they'll put them back on. But they've given us Sleepy Hollow. They've given us Almost Human. Um, the uh, that uh, Kevin Bacon show, the following is coming back. Um, Sleepy Hollow has been guaranteed a second season. Almost Human is like I think like an eight or nine episode season. And then depending on how they feel, they're probably going to end up bringing that back too. But they're giving a lot of their shows room to breathe. Um, used to be on Fox, because we all know this, if it didn't hit after two episodes, it was gone. 
and they cut back on their reality shows, they still have contestant shows like X Factor and American Idol, but that's just a given. But they cut back on the reality garbage and they're actually putting out programming. And so I have to give them props because I never thought I would see Fox do that again. And they are. And they just, it's, it's, it's really good television season uh, for Fox. So I got to put them on the, on the nice list as well. They're bringing um, back 24. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm very excited about that. <laughs> I think even Jack is excited about it. Uh, but, but, um, it's good. It's a good thing. It, it, I, I miss Jack Bauer. I miss him yelling at people. You, you know what I mean? It's going to be yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, they're bringing that back too. So yeah, it's, it's been a good, it's a good year for Fox. So, so hopefully uh, things will continue to progress for their network. So yeah, those are, that's my abridged nice list this year. Also on the nice list, listen to anybody out in the world that took the time out to either do a good deed or pay it forward or just be like just a little bit, just give a little bit of shine in this sometimes depressing world and change somebody's life. You are all on my nice list because we need more good people in this world. So it's a never ending battle. So, hey, all you good people, nice. you are on the nice <laughs> list. And I thank you. Uh, so I've got uh, I've got two kind of it's it's a little bit weird to say but the first one i already mentioned a little bit that's jonathan hickman um after the worthless piece of nonsense that was age of ultron this year we got uh infinity and i loved marvel's event infinity it was just so awesome i, I know some people had some problems with it um i i did not share those problems but i i've loved his avengers run this year i i've loved infinity um even when money was tight those were some of the books that i was making sure to pick up uh week in and week out they were just really awesome and i really enjoyed them and just adding a, a level of cohesion to the Avengers and and the Marvel Universe uh, umbrella as a whole in a really awesome way. So I really, really enjoyed that and hope to continue enjoying it next year as we go further into Hickman's um, extended run. The other would be, um, it's not a specific person, but the people behind the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. Um, I, I, I didn't expect it to suck or anything like that, but you never know with, with an anniversary type special for anything Sometimes it can get too bogged down in nostalgia. Sometimes it can completely ignore nostalgia and just be like any other episode and not that special at all, um, but maybe just a little bit longer or better special effects or something. Um, but I, in, in a show that I do not love, I don't love Doctor Who. I really like it, and there are some episodes, some characters, etc. that I love, um, but I really like it. The 50th anniversary special was an episode I loved. It was uh, nostalgic without being too nostalgic. It was dark without being too dark. It was way funnier than I expected. Um, and I've said this before in multiple shows, but you know, I love John Hurt, but when I think John Hurt, I do not think funny. And he was hilarious in the special. Um, I think they just in, in, you know, to, uh, to use an analogy that Jim will like, you know, in the recipe of this show, uh, for this special, for the 50th anniversary special, in my opinion, um, they found the exact right recipe and ratios of ingredients of humor and darkness and, 10 and 11 and the war doctor and the modern day and the past and the future and all these things they found the exact right recipe to make uh 
that that dish just pop and to be in my opinion perfect like i legitimately loved every minute of minute of it and i'm very excited as we get close to christmas for the uh, christmas special because if they did it once maybe they can do it again and have two really really awesome episodes in a row um because i would really enjoy that this christmas but uh, yeah so everybody who worked on the 50th anniversary special um i loved it thank you here here Okay, well, first off, uh, my nice list to everybody in the HHWLOD uh, podcasting network, all the Half Hour Wasted guys, all of you knuckleheads, and Sean, and, and uh, Donnie, and Aaron, and Abe, and uh, everybody who is in, in part of this endeavor, uh, I just wanted to shout out and put you on my nice list. Also, um, there are some smaller comic book publishers I wanted to throw on my nice list, uh, starting off with Action Lab, and you know, as a disclaimer, Sean and I both work for Action Lab. But the reason I work for Action Lab is because I believe in what they're doing. And I really like the comics, and I really like the approach, and uh, I just really uh, you know, can't recommend those books enough. I know you were saying Battling Boy you can hand to a young adult, and they would really uh, dig it. But I would say the same thing about Molly Danger. Um, it's one of the best books I read this year, for sure. Uh, Skyward, um, the, on the Danger Zone side, you know, M-Theory is a mind blower, and uh, Ghost Town, and uh, some really cool comics to check out there. Um, also wanted to shout out um, uh, Valiant this year on my nice list. They have put together a really uh, editorially cohesive universe. They've consistently put out some really quality books from some really quality creators and artists. And uh, they've consistently put out some of the best comics on the market, I think. And uh, I think they should really get their due. The new Valiant has really been kicking a lot of booty. Uh, also Image, I think they're probably my publisher of the year just because they put out such a variety of books this year. I mean, you think of, you know, Saga and, uh, I mean, all the, all the, you know, luminaries from, from Marvel and DC seem to have an image project or two. Uh, you know, Manhattan Projects, Nowhere Men, uh, East of West, uh, so many great. Black great, Science. Black Science, yeah, another great one. Um, so many great, great, uh, uh, image titles this year. So they're definitely on my nice list as well. And, uh, also finally on my nice list this year is, uh, Guillermo del Toro for making the movie I've wanted to see since I was six years old, uh, Pacific <laughs> Rim. Thank you, Guillermo. Yes. Appreciate that. Yes. Uh, kudos. Yes, I, I agree as well. That's a, yeah. He, he gets what, all the presents. I mean, Sean, Sean would get the Ultraman reference, uh, <laughs> I'm about to make, but, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, it took me back to that six year old kid watching the Ultraman credits begin, you know, so. Oh, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Abs- absolutely wonderful. All right, so my nice list. Uh, first and foremost on my nice list is Netflix. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it's it, it's funny how a service has gone from shipping you DVDs and Blu-rays in the mail in red envelopes um, to the point where if you visit a postal center, all you would see is red envelopes flying everywhere, and and just you know that anticipation of going to the mailbox to pretty much uh, most folks abandoning that aspect of it and moving over to their original content. And with stuff like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, whether you like Hemlock Grove or not, it's still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a series that I, I think is improved in the second season, and I think it's just really kind of funny. It's like a cross between uh, it's like a cross between The Sopranos and... I had it. It was like a and and um, it was like a comedy series that that uh, that it reminds me of. 
But uh, anyway, uh, Lilyhammer with uh, yeah. Stephen Van Zandt. I still have not gotten around to that one. I, I, I watched like the first two episodes, and I like it. I just have to have make make more time to watch it. Yeah, it's it's the first season was was decent. I was like, okay, I get it. Um, but there's stuff in the second season that's just really kind of funny. Oh, I know what it. It kind of reminds me of a um, uh, of like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch. You know, kind of that that British, um, you know, situational, somewhat slapsticky kind of humor. Um, but just like you know, people put in crazy situations uh, that they try and make better, and they always end up making it worse. Um, and it's just kind of funny because every it, it's this combination of people speaking in English and people speaking in Norwegian with the subtitles. But it's it's really funny. It's really funny. And just the stuff, you know, on the horizon. You know, we're getting more originals coming up. That TurboFast is one, I guess, that, they're, that they've are that they worked an agreement out with, I guess, DreamWorks. Um, and more importantly, uh, the agreement they worked out with Marvel. I mean, the fact that we're going to yeah. get separate series on uh, Daredevil, Power Man, Iron Fist, or, or uh, Luke Cage, I should say, um, and Jessica Jones, and then it's all going to lead up to a Defender series, and and Drew Goddard is going to headline the Daredevil side of thing. I mean, I mean, it's just you know for for them to be willing to to finance that and take that on uh, and and work that, I think is just awesome. I mean, as, as much crap as Reed Hastings, um, the head of Netflix, that took over the whole Quickster thing, and their stock kind of went in the toilet for a while. To see that the way that company has bounced back and is becoming a major player. Um, and really rivaling HBO, I think, is mm-hmm. is really unprecedented and something to uh, to latch on to. And you know, I I wasn't really down on them when they did the the separation and the you know the and and you know, they separated the DVD and the and the streaming because I I kind of saw that coming as an right. eventuality. I I didn't I didn't see that as like oh I can't believe they're not doing that. A lot of me was like, "Wow, it took them this long to finally <laughs> to finally do that." And didn't they just announce the other day that one of their original programming things will be streaming in 4K next year? Um, yeah, they're gonna. Uh, so they're gonna start. No, I think it's Amazon. They're that's gonna start filming everything 4K and and allow that streaming, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's just I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of competition, and you know the fact that Netflix is willing to shell all this out, I think is gonna have to elevate HBO's game. I think it's gonna, which I mean. There's a lot of top-notch stuff going on on HBO. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it, it's going to keep. It's uh, House code. of Cards season two will yes. be 4K. It looks like. Oh, nice! Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, and, and um, not uh, you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Russ. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. But see, but not only that. Not only does it make um, cable television make it step its game up, but you know, also it makes Amazon and Amazon Prime step their Absolutely. game up because they're trying to you know they're trying to make original content. Um, YouTube you know, has original content. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, cheap little web series. I'm talking about like they are actually investing not the money that Amazon and Netflix are investing, but they're doing things too. They have channels like, you know, pay channels where say for instance, and this would be something that's right up Jim's alley. Like uh, Roger Corman has his own network on YouTube. And for like, I think like five bucks a month or something like that, you can watch the entire Corman library for five bucks a month. Five or six bucks a month, and high, and high quality. So there, like, there's all these different ways to get you know new and old material, you know, new material and old material nowadays, and you don't have to rely on your t- on like a network or cable now, unless you unless you want HBO, um, HBO stuff. But um, but yeah, it's great. Competition yes. is good. <laughs> Amen. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, um, PewDiePie and other shows on, on, net, on, uh, YouTube get, you know, tens of millions of viewers, you know, per, or they have, you know, millions of subscribers bigger than even some broadcast TV audiences. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just a whole new game and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. So I, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of what Netflix is doing. Um, on that. And then my other, if I have to throw out another one, the other one would be Comixology. Um, and I know we talked a lot about Comixology today. Uh, we talk a lot about it, uh, in the past. I know typically on our, our BS shows, I always throw in a Comixology in there. But as, as a guy that swore that they would never take my print away unless they pried it from my cold dead hands, I, I'm really embracing, uh, the digital. And a lot of these digital, either exclusives or digital firsts, um, for as much grief as we give DC, I think, for as wrong as I think they're getting it on the comic side, they're getting it so right on the digital side with the Batman Beyond stuff and the Justice League Beyond stuff and Smallville and the Arrow and Injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, the, little, um, was it Little Gotham? Uh, there's just a, a ton of really, really good stuff on, on that side of the fence. And, uh, you know, Comixology has this avenue, you know, promoting sales and, and you know, just allowing people to be exposed they're doing you know they did that whole 12 days of christmas where they gave away a free comic book every day for for 12 days you know they're really working to try and get the word out for a lot of these books and, and maybe some of them that that people would be afraid to to try um or afraid to to really move on i mean the valiant stuff is, is a perfect example jim you know where they run the 99 cent sales all the time and you know the goal i'm sure is to get people hooked and then you know then to be able to sell them at a you know on a regular clip so um, so between Netflix and Comixology, I'm I'm all about the digital yeah, this year. Only they can per- uh, perfect digital sandwich technology. We will be living in the future. <laughs> I want the 3D pizza printer. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that 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 about runs down our list. Does anybody anybody have anything else they wanna they wanna talk about? Funny stories or any any anything? What's every, what's everybody doing this year for the holiday? As little as okay. possible. <laughs> uh going going out of town visit visit family and uh yeah then coming right back home i am cooking for about 20 or 25 people you'd think i in my retirement i'd be cooking less but no seems i'm cooking more so <laughs> well they better enjoy it uh i will be headed to houston on christmas eve and uh spend some time with my family and christmas day i'll be at my son's house uh so i can watch the the little ones open up their their presents, and then uh, my wife and I will be headed back back to the homestead Christmas Day because uh, we'll both be back at work on the twenty seventh, so or the twenty sixth, I should say. So typical typical Christmas for us for the most part. I do want to yep. give a preemptive nice list uh, notation for Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which I hope is amazing. But just because they oh, released uh, what Groot is going to look like, or at least an early version of what Groot would look like, they they said they've adjusted it slightly since then but it's the basic idea is correct that picture of vin uh, Vin diesel next to groot looks awesome like it's not exactly the comic groot but it looks really really good cool yeah hopefully next year maybe maybe james gunn will be on our uh all all our nice lists (laughs) i i hope so i hope that movie just becomes like the biggest surprise breakout hit ever and i can just not to be negative, but rub people's faces in the dirt about it, about how awesome it was. 
Um, but we'll see. Either way, I will at least get a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Even if it tanks, uh, I, I could have never imagined five years ago that that would ever be a sentence I'd ever be able to say. I just watched it's, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's either going to be a triumph or it's going to be a hot mess. There's like, there's going to be like no in between. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to look yeah. like an episode of Farscape or it's going to be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> or if you were Bill McGonnell. <laughs> Something I forgot to put, someone I forgot to put on my nice list, uh, a good friend of mine who's having a lot of success, uh, Mr. Ed Pisker, with his uh, Hip Hop Family Tree book. I don't know if you guys have checked this out or not. I know you probably know. I've heard of it, yeah. Hip Hop is. Oh, it's dope. It's just great. Um, it's great. It is incredible. It, he did it with the same color palette and same uh, paper style as the 1970s, like, Treasury Edition. And, like, there are little artistic nods to, like, uh, Marvel, like, 70s art inside. And uh, just, I don't know, it's just incredible. I mean, he thought so much about even, like, the color palette and uh, the paper he wanted to use. So it just shows how much, you know, planning and thought he has in the whole project. And it's just incredible. Um, you know, just weaves, you know, stories in and out of the, the history of hip-hop. And he's just now, um, like, in the, the early 80s in the, the uh, weekly strip that he does for Boing Boing. And the first volume, um, which covers like mostly the seventies, um, is out now in, uh, in an oversized, uh, treasury sized edition, actually. Um, it's pretty sweet. I would definitely want to shout that book out. It's going to be on a lot of top 10 lists this, this year, I know. And I'm just so proud to see somebody, you know, who I know and I've been watching for a long time have that kind of success. Cool. Good stuff. So anybody have anything else or should we, should we wrap it up for this year? No pun intended. <laughs> oh, speaking of rap, I got some <laughs> gifts to wrap. So, uh, so yeah, may- maybe we should wrap it up. All right. Well, Sean, thanks once again for for uh, doing this episode. I, it's one of those things I think every year that uh, uh, I think we'd probably not do it if you couldn't show up. So I, I appreciate you being on. Oh well, well thanks, Russ, and, and thanks, guys, for for having me back on. Like I said, this is a this is a, a HHWLOD tradition, and I'm always glad to be a part of it. And, and I'm glad that the the black box and uh, Tales from the Attic and and Carol Chronicles is all part of the HHWLOD podcast network. And it's it's good, and and it's a good time. And and thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you guys and what y'all do. So thank you. No problem. And uh, pay attention to what we got going on. So especially on the black box side and and um, Tales from the Attic and Carol Chronicles, because I think the, there might be a little crossover stuff coming our way. There, there's something we got planned uh, that we'll probably be doing for the probably around February ish time frame that, that we've been cooking. Um, if you love movies, we love movies. Uh, so stay tuned. And, and we've got some cool stuff coming up uh, to talk about. Hmm. Um, but if you want to leave us a email, you can do so at LOD at HHWLOD.com. You can check us out on Twitter at LOD Tweet, and the network uh, Twitter account is HHWLOD underscore network, um, where you can find uh, all the announcements that we have on the show, um, for, and for all the shows. Check out our Facebook group, the newly um, revitalized Facebook group. Uh, Johnny M is blowing out uh, ultraviolet digital codes left and right. Uh, so you go to <laughs> Facebook.com slash HHWLOD and you can check out all that stuff. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call 972-798-3830. And until next time, this is Russ, Jim, Jordan, and Mr. Sean Pryor. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.